Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Drive Talking, where we take a light-hearted look at the world of motoring, from our love of driving to those little things that just drive us round the bend. I'm Thomas Kilroy, and joining on the show today is our automotive engineer, Aditya, together with our very own car mechanic, the super-talented Zara. I think you just keep finding the most absurd stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I'll actually do that and go out of my way. What, find the most absurd stuff to talk about? I just find uh, no like so Addy was saying obviously when I drank out of the bottle you were like Zara what the heck like are you drinking out of a huge bottle so we were like what if it just became a thing where I just drink out of random stuff for you guys uh, the, the, the trophy behind you looks like a good goblet yeah, yeah. absolutely uh, you know not bad that'd be a great bad. idea so we're liking the fact that you have positioned yourself in front of a cactus and a trophy uh, you know, just ah, yes. the, the, I don't know what the feng shui says if that's the right way of pronouncing that, but all I know is <laughs> tell me a little bit about that um, trophy. Is that is that the oh, driver yes. Sean that you were telling us about last week? Uh, yeah, so this is basically Sean. Um, Sean came first at. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Brands Hatch. Of course. So Brands Hatch the circuit. <laughs> so he he's this I is his first year. It's actually crazy. <laughs> <laughs> who hasn't right but yeah no this is actually his first year he's I'm very impressed because in his first like proper official year of racing in the UK and uh he you know he was competing against a lot of people that had been doing this for a decade like perhaps up to a decade or a decade so yeah he came first in um quite a few races wow this Amazing. this past year which is great so yeah and yeah that's one of the trophies where it's probably one of my favorite races that i'd attended for sure wow amazing amazing so awesome. um so uh yeah a great little uh way to open a car driving show <laughs> a trophy <laughs> from winning a car race <laughs> so honestly yeah it's great but tell me, you have been doing a lot of driving around this week uh, because of your job, uh, going here, going there. In fact, I must say, if anyone listening, and, and Andy, whenever Zara's phoned me, you know, talking away, and the next thing then she'll just mid-sentence, you know, I'll be mid-sentence, she'll say, yeah, one second, yeah, have you got to do that? And then she'll be literally standing there making small talk with people as part of, because you just carry on. But they don't realize that you've got a headphone in with somebody on the other end just went, and then... Yeah, no, it's lovely weather. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, not too bad. Yeah. Anyway, thank you. Okay, bye. You know, and then and then whatever happens, I don't know. It's like, oh, 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 oh. yeah, sorry about that. Anyway, as I was saying, <laughs> so it's like, so I'm going to talk about the hustle. <laughs> you said that, actually. You mentioned that the other day because I remember I was talking to you on the phone. I didn't. I don't know if I told you I was working, and I was just like, yeah. I remember I was doing something at work, and I honestly I felt so bad because I was like, I know you're on the phone. I had to do this, no, no, but no, it's, it's just one of those things, you know. It's better than when you disconnect and then call back and lose your thread. I'd rather just be hanging on the line. And say, okay, yeah, yeah. But it's the idea that the other person doesn't realize they're having this little random conversation about the weather, and you know. <laughs> you have a person waiting on the line for them to finish so that you can carry on. It's 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 very um yeah, that's good. That's that's a good skill to have. I don't think I can do it. I'd have to tell the person I've got someone on the line. <laughs> I can't I can't hide it. 
I'm too honest. Um, I... But you were also just mentioning, shall we save that for later? Shall we save the thing for later? Yeah, we will. Oh, so, no, yeah, you can. No, about your Whatever. experience of something about women drivers, maybe? You had a couple Honestly. of experiences. Tell us about that. It's just been like, because, so my job, my job consists of driving, a lot of driving. So as I'm driving, a lot of the time, someone will like speed past me. Right. And I always automatically, you just stereotype it, don't you? Like, oh, I was just another teenage boy racer or something like that. And I swear, I'm so shocked today, especially. It was like a woman that, she might be of pension age, who knows? And she was just zoomed past and I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And that honestly happened so frequently. Like, So you said to it, me, it, the words you said was, women drivers these days are just driving like crazy, like crazy drivers. <laughs> and I said, well, as long as you say it and not me, because <laughs> I'll be eviscerated by people who think I'm just you know, generalizing or stereotyping or whatever. But it does raise an yeah. interesting point. I wonder... I wonder why that would be. I like, firstly, is it just that your experience was it happened to just be two or three drivers and it just happened that they were all women? Or is there uh, an epidemic of <laughs> speeding? Of just women? crazy and women then, driving. But in my mind, I'm thinking, well, actually, speeding think pensioners, I love it. Yeah, speeding pensioners. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, but there's, there's kind of two things. It's one, one is I was thinking about this idea of. Um, is, is it the sense of not just power, but kind of like con, like control, ownership, destiny? Like you're in the car, you decide. Whereas when you go through the door of the house, suddenly there's the laundry to do or feed the kids or go and pick up a teenager from school. You know, you're at everyone else's beck and call as a woman in, in the modern world. Well, you get behind the wheel and for a few minutes, you know, and we all know that in the car, I think, I think, psychologists have studied this that you're you're you amplify you, you know that's why there's road rage and that's why people shout at things you, you the car that space you want to fill that space with your personality or your emotion so as a result maybe it's just that after two years of lockdown and then we come back out and there's all of these frustrations in life and you get behind the wheels like right i'm not taking any prisoners i'm going for it and getting down to aldi and 80 miles an hour in a 40 zone or whatever it's going to be. I wonder, I just wonder if that's a, if that's, if that's actually a thing. Who knows? It, it could be, it could be, it could be that, like, there is definitely that sort of, you know, there is that element of the fact that it is you that's in power of that car and you're the one that's driving that car and you've got control. I also think that it comes a lot down to where we are. So, in obviously where we live and stuff, there is a lot of traffic. So sometimes as a woman, maybe you just want to get somewhere really fast because you're thinking, yeah. right, you know what? I just want to get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> and of course. It is, I think it's also another thing that I tend to forget a lot is I am a woman myself who really likes cars. Like yeah. I love cars, in fact, let's say so. Yeah. What if that woman deep down, I don't know. So since I met, especially when I met Sean, the racing, like he's obviously races cars and that put it into perspective for me that you never know who's driving that car. She could be a professional race car driver for yeah. all I knew 20 years ago. That's right. Or, you know, <laughs> That's right. whenever. And so you never know. She could, she, that woman could, yeah, potentially be yeah. driving that fast for any reason. Or she could just be completely just <laughs> crazy and want to go super fast, <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Speed uh, demon. Yeah, no, but no, I, I must say, there is a thrill involved to driving fast. Oh, I yeah. It's such a... It, as much as we would like to stay within the limits of like the road limits and you don't want yeah, to overspeed, 
but the feeling yeah. of going really fast is a whole other experience and i do understand as for some people it it it, it is like it, it's an adrenaline rush it's like an addiction yeah. adrenaline so rush. then yeah. and just getting that rush once in a while is just it just makes up your it just makes your day sometimes i guess like you're having a bad day you know yeah. what let's have a little bit of fun i'll i'll, yeah. I'll play with the throttle a little, little extra yeah and you just go for it yeah. while that you know and it just yeah honestly just get, there's some it's something innate it's such a special relation especially if you're driving alone in the car it's just you and your car mm. yeah. and you know there's like this wonderful relationship there and then you just like sometimes you just forget that you're actually going faster than you are you're just enjoying the experience of driving yeah that's happened so, to me once or twice and i've just suddenly looked down and you know realized oh my goodness because these days cars can go so fast and so smoothly that you just don't realize so now i'm very very mindful of using the just just lock it in the yeah. cruise control at the speed and just 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 live with it deal with it you know but um but at the same time then there is uh so this talking about stereotypes i'm then keen to think about two two different stereotypes one is the infamous BMW driver and oh. no, yeah <laughs> which, <laughs> we all which, know that one which funny enough is is a bit of a big thing on um uh TikTok i've seen a few videos on TikTok and they are just hilarious of of you know they're playing up to that to that stereotype but the other one that i'm interested in also is uh the stereotype of young people start young young people it sounds like a sound like my dad <laughs> and I'm the age of my dad when I think of my dad you know but these young these young people but when I think of my own daughter who you know bought her I mean literally when she turned 17 that day she turned 17 she she got the license and um, she sent away for the license got that back i think 12 14 weeks later she had her lessons and passed her test and she was down there and buying her car literally and paid for her own car the whole I'm so proud of her amazing mm-hmm. so but she was um I'm going to say assertive in a in a in a respectful like I really respected her sense of she wasn't afraid of getting in the car and just pulling out and getting where she wanted to go she, she wasn't shy on that but she never to my knowledge got pulled over for speeding she didn't she wasn't reckless And what I'm saying is that I think that maybe I might be wrong but I get a sense that the younger generation starting out driving today are much more sensible than people when I was their age people like my age would have just been crazy like you know the the idea of the thrill seeking but these days we know that fewer young people drink you know choose sobriety mm. they don't actually drink and and as a result pubs are having a tough time restaurants are having a tough time because they're coming in they're having the main course but they're not having a couple of bottles of wine with it and as a result that's a big revenue chunk on so so i'm just saying is there a is there a shift now where young people who traditionally were the you know live fast and die young that kind of mentality but they're now sensible and now you have all these retirees who retired early and they get a few quid That's and they upgrade to a jaguar something something which is quite nice i mean a sports car or an slk or something a bit sporty two seater because they don't have the kids anymore and they're suddenly tearing down the motorway like kids again i don't know maybe it's just it feels like has there been a generational flip of of what we think of as the stereotypes 
discuss. I mean, you could be right. <laughs> you, could, you could totally be right. You might have nailed it there because at the end of the day, joyriding was a thing and now yeah. it's not so much of a thing, right? And I think that was more with the, I don't want to say older generation, yeah, but, no, you know, yeah. the generation above me perhaps. Yeah, yeah. And um, so, yeah, maybe they are quite, they do have that sort of adrenaline-seeking tendency inside them where they do want to just go fast. Whereas for the people that, you know, my age or younger perhaps they're the ones that haven't lived that life they've lived a life of rules and regulations it has become a lot more strict yeah. with regards to like driving in general because I remember as kids didn't matter how many people were in the car well it did but you know you could squeeze in an extra person or whatever but now no way like that's right that's right no way so um, I think yeah you might be right there yeah you you, you just reminded me my my uncle um Iggy um Iggy Madden so so Iggy Madden how do I describe this? Uh, you know, uh, what's the big trucking firm in the UK? The big, the big one, Eddie Stobart. The name went out. You know, Eddie yeah. Stobart, the, the brand. Yeah. Right? Well, the Irish equivalent is Iggy Madden. Um, okay. Big yellow yeah. trucks. There's even there's even models have been made of the Iggy Madden truck. So my he's my uncle, my mom's brother, and he was a rally driver back in the eighties. So he drove in the Rally of Ireland and, and those kind of races. I mean, proper hardcore co-driver helmets you know tearing around and i remember once i must have been about seven or eight years of age maybe yeah about that age maybe nine nine years of age and it was at our grandmother's house down in the west of ireland in the countryside and i don't know what car he would have had but it would have been i'm going to say uh like a capri or a cortina you have to imagine you have to go right back to those days when you had that kind of car and you can imagine back then the mechanic, you know, you'd really yeah, feel the road. No, yeah, 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 yeah no power steering. Correct. <laughs> exactly. You know, yeah, it was, just it was, it was it like there. a tank, you know, it's like tough to drive. But he would have had this thing absolutely souped up and all the rest of it. So there was five of us in the back seat with no seatbelts, five kids. And he took us out a road, uh, and I'm going to say the bog road, i.e. what I mean by that is that they used to dig the peat turf and that they dry it out and burn that. You know, that's, it, It's a big thing or was a big thing in Ireland. So you had these kind of really straight, like super straight roads with, with a ditch on each side. I mean, if you came off, you would go into the, into the bog. And, and I remember he, we're in it. And then he said, uh, shall we go fast in the car? And he said, yeah. And then, yeah, come on, Uncle Iggy, yeah. <laughs> and he floored it. I'll never forget. And he drove straight down. He must. And, okay, when you're seven or eight, 60 miles an hour sounds like 100, feels like 100 miles. I don't know what speed he was doing. But he hit a little hump bridge, like this little tiny hump bridge that you see in the movies. You know, and the car took off. <laughs> and boom, and landed. <laughs> and we all, your head hit the, the roof of the car. <laughs> We bounced so high that my head hit the roof of the car. I'll never forget it. And all five of us bounced. All heads hit the roof of the car. And somehow he yeah. managed to keep it on the road and, you know, keep going and then slow down. And I'm thinking, I can't. When I think about it now today, that's the most reckless thing <laughs> you can ever imagine. And back then it was like, yeah, well, you know, that's, you know, that's just no. how it is. <laughs> True. I think, yeah, I think how we drive now is an, is like how, is a mixture of how we used to be driven around earlier as kids. I remember my dad, we had a, like a Balino, it was a Suzuki Balino, and it had independent suspension. It was, it was, it could have, it was used as, as a rally car, like by some people where we, ours was just a normal road model. 
but my dad would abuse the fact that we had independent suspension once in a while and like driving on indian roads is basically a little bit like mad max you just yeah. do what you want essentially yeah. uh so i remember once uh, i i had to go for a coaching class and this is on a sunday at 8 o'clock in the morning and they were very strict about when you enter the building you had to be there at 8 o'clock sharp and they would shut lock the door at 801 and you couldn't get in and um we used to do a carpool with two of my other friends and it was my my dad's turn to drop us off so we driving my friends come out a little bit late so now we have only about like 5 minutes to go and it's it's not really close by so but as like okay strap in guys we're going i'm going to gun the car and they thought okay yeah what's he going to don't worry they just put their seat belt on and usually people when we were kids you never really put the rear seat belts on but but as like strap on strap on we're like okay cool put the seat in but as starts gunning this car down and this is like bangalore main roads wow. <laughs> and he's now zigzagging through cars and we there's this uh, there was a pipeline that goes underneath the road so they built like a really small bridge and my dad didn't break for that bridge at all he just ramped off the end maybe had about 2 seconds of air time and i can hear i turn back and i see my friend screaming again <laughs> holding up hand that handlebar that beautiful handlebar <laughs> and then he uh, slams on the brakes turns uh, for a 90 degree turn immediately grabs the handlebar yanks it once to give us a handle like a handlebar turn yeah, and then handbrake handbrake uh, handbrake hand turn sorry yeah, yeah. so he grabs the handbrake gives us a handbrake turn a little bit and then guns it down the road again and we and we reach on time so we're there on time we get through the dates absolutely no problem yeah, I know, I and then know, my I friend know. turns to me and he's like you know what dude i'm never getting into your dad's car again yeah. <laughs> I, know. i know i know because what strikes me about that story is oh we got there on time yeah the other option was dead like, yeah. like, like yeah it's like we got there on time or dead there's no in between there's no half yeah exactly and then that's when i realized oh people maybe don't drive like this cuz i was totally fine with it and i'm like oh we reached on time what's the problem <laughs> like we're here aren't we <laughs> and then it's yeah, like dude and then i'm like oh yeah okay i understand so i think yeah because i've i've been exposed to that slightly of like you know what little bit of little bit of fun in in between is okay i think i'm like that as a driver as well but i'm you know what i'll have a little bit of fun i like it i enjoy it but i think if some especially now kids now they're growing up in times where it's so the rules and regulations as zara mentioned is so strict that you yeah. can't really do much i think they're just more sensible because they've seen people be more sensible yeah as well but also cars have improved so much now like cars have just become so in fact we were talking weren't we about um electric vehicles and about sentry mode last week and you know all these new technologies are putting in but now it's it's kind of not easy to like in those days yeah. you you could get under the hood and make a few tweaks and change things nowadays you need a degree in computing science to make a change to your car because you need you need to understand how the how the electronics of it work more than anything else and and as they say remap the car well what what does remap the car mean it doesn't you know it's not it's not um uh rubber gloves under the under the bonnet that you need there it's literally you know put on your glasses and open up your laptop and let's remap the car you know it's a different it's a different thing altogether so i suppose from that point of view so um and then and then equally when you don't have influences like you know alcoholism is prevalent 
in the younger generation, etc. So in the end, maybe technology is kind of over-engineering and over overcompensating, I should say, for the fact that now, yeah, why bother? Yeah, so it's like you have those uh, collision prevention measures. That, so they, like, especially like in the Mercedes S-Class, they have IR cameras or infrared cameras in the front yeah. of the vehicle, yeah, which yeah. can detect objects, especially even at, especially at night, that yeah. a human eye can't notice. And so like if there's a deer on the edge of the like a forest road and it right. it'll capture that on the camera before you can actually see it. So it right. prevent and it'll it can step on the brakes for you to slow you yes. down. Yeah, yeah. I have I have that similar thing in my in my jag with a laser at the there front. And it's and I found it a little bit frustrating to begin with and i'm talking now just to begin with because every now and then it would do, 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 show it would flash up so i got the heads up display so in the windscreen itself you've got the you've got the speedometer being beamed or what's the word reflected onto the windscreen so it's, it's a bit like one of those isn't it yes exactly and and it's like a fighter pilot with it on the on the lens on the on the front shield the visor thank you so i'm looking at my speed da, 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 and i'm coming up to a car and i'm slowing down but because I'm not slowing down as quickly as the car thinks I am, for some reason, the next thing, da, 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 this, big, this big red triangle comes up to say, take evasive action, you know. And it did it two or three times. And I was getting a little bit annoyed with it. But I think what's happened is it's, it's, it seems to have learned my, the way I drive. And now it kind of doesn't, it doesn't go off as often. And every now and then, yes, a car might pull quickly into the road in front of me. And then I can see that he's speeding to pull up but for a split second i'm slowing down you know it looks like you could collide if he didn't speed up but i know he's speeding up and it'll then go off once in a while but only maybe once a week or twice a week whereas before it was happening four or five times in a short journey up to the middle of town but now it's kind of got used to me but it's just that idea you're right uh, as soon as let's say a cyclist is there the car just straight away slows right down it's like oh my god i gotta floor it just to keep it going because you're, you have to keep an eye and actually keep the car going, uh, which is an odd experience that the car itself is coming to a halt because of a bike in front of you and you have to keep going in order to go around the bike. It's, it's a, it's, you know, and what do you do? Do you switch it off and not have it? I think I'd rather have it on and just know that, that okay, I've got to correct the car from being overly safe. There's, a, there's, a, there's an, an ironic thing. <laughs> You can, you can, you can. But I've, but I'm, I'm worried that if I switch it off, then I'll forget to switch it back on, and then one day I'll review it, thinking it's on, and yeah, guess what? It didn't slow down yeah. for the cyclist. <laughs> so no, because because the benefits of it, it is amazing to have. Uh, it, but there's so it's got it's got this laser that goes out the front, and you can decide what distance you want from the car in front. So if you're on the motorway, you're in the fast lane you can set it with, it's, it's got, it just measures bars. I don't know if the bars have in like a distance, let's say 25 meters. So four bars would give you like that, that full, full gap between the two. So if you're going at speed, it just means that the car will react quicker. And then when you, when you're in, you know, B roads or anything like that, you can, you can shorten that down. So it's quite, quite uh, close in terms of bumper to bumper. But when you get into traffic, literally into, into um, the, traffic almost grinds to a halt you know in the queue it, it grinds right to a halt and if the traffic just keeps moving at one or two miles an hour, it just goes along it just keeps going and then as the car speeds up in front it just picks up again 
So you can sit there. You don't have to. There's no. You don't press the pedals. You, the, all you need to do is just steer it a tiny bit because obviously you're just moving forward, edging forward, edging forward. And then if the car, if the traffic does stop, then what happens is the engine stops and it says the car is now in hold mode. And all you have to do when the car's pulled away, you just literally push down the uh, accelerator, just touch the accelerator. It then jumps to life and it just, just picks up. It just recognizes the car in front has moved on and it just it measures how far and it just carries on. So if the car goes up to eight miles an hour, it goes up to eight. And if it slows down to six and down to three and down to two, it does, you know. So when you're driving into London or out of London in that rush hour, that horrible rush hour traffic, if you're in a manual, you have to sit there, as you know, and you've got to hold the clutch with the biting thing. And, uh, you know, so it's just holding that biting point on the engine. Then you've got to edge forward. You've got both legs going. You, you've got to get it up into first, into second, then down into first, then, you know, how do you drink your coffee? You've got a, you've got you, you've got everything going on between your two hands, your two legs. Whereas now, I get in the car and the car slows down itself into almost stop point, and I haven't I can't touch the pedal from when I leave the house to when I get out of the car. I don't I don't actually almost touch the pedal. It's amazing. So yeah, it's quite a different experience. So the more people, the more that technology rolls out to more everyday cars, then. I can see why I'm going to say young drivers, new drivers, let's, let's say new drivers, they won't feel that need to, to do something because actually there's, there's, there's another kind of pleasure in just and loving the car for it driving itself. It's a, it's a weird feeling. Just, <laughs> I, I actually find myself enjoying the, the, the playfulness of the car speeding up and slowing down itself than me yeah. trying to override it and you know speed from one lane to another to another to overtake traffic. It's an odd oh, fair product. enough. Yeah, it's really yeah. weird. Did it feel? I was like, going to say it must have felt very very weird at first. It it still does. My my so we're in the car and my wife is talking to me and I'll just giggle, like in the middle randomly, and she'll say, "Why are you giggling?" I'll say, "I know you didn't notice this, but the car just slowed down when the car braked in front of us unexpectedly." I I. I it stopped before I could get to the brakes, you know, and I giggled because it's like the car has just reacted quicker than I can react to slow down for the car in front. It's mad. I've never experienced anything like it. I'm, I'm loving it. I never knew how transformational the a really good quality adaptive cruise control can be in a car. I've, I've actually sort of, I'm, it's a bit of a running joke now at work because I keep mentioning it and it's like, yeah, but until you've experienced it, you, you don't know, you know, it's just crazy. So before we go on any further, I was just thinking that maybe if anybody listening to this, if they had, we would love to just get a sense of what people think, you know. So maybe they might have an opinion, a thought, you know, maybe they can um, share their own experience. You know, are you an older driver who speeds? Are you a younger driver who's very conservative? You know, how do we feel about it? Um, so if anybody wants to uh, send in a question, We'd love to hear from you. Um, if you have any questions or want to share an opinion, you can email us at team at drivetalking.show. Team at drivetalking.show. I still have to get used to saying that. It's uh, it's amazing that we've got... By the way, have you guys seen the website? Have you have you seen it in the last couple of days? Yes. Literally checked it out today. Same. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> good. Every time I log into it, there's suddenly more symbols on top. It's like, oh, it's on this platform. Oh, it's on the other one. Oh, it's on there as well. That's I right. I think I actually, right. I think I have, I, 
I even have like a shirt in my shopping cart. <laughs> no. Really? You have a shirt I, in so your shopping crazy. cart? Like we, yeah, yeah, but, we but are, you, are you actually going to ca- are you going to uh, abandon that cart or are you going to cash? Are you going to actually make fin- finalize that purchase? I think I want to finalize that purchase. I mean, yeah, it's, I think you it's should get awful. some skin. Get some skin. Exactly. In the game. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, contribute. <laughs> Yeah, other I mean, than me just yeah. waffling on on a microphone. Yeah, no, 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 absolutely. We, I, um, and in <laughs> fact, also the thing I do want to purchase, I haven't got around to it yet, but I do want to go in and I want to buy a mug, a drive talking mug. I just want yeah, to yeah, me too. Because, no, it looks and by the way, it's the same design. It's, it's the same design as in this is is a similar design which I had done for a kitchen sink. So I know that the and this cup is nearly two years old. This mug here. And it's pristine. I mean, I'm drinking some lovely tea right now, but I'm telling you right now, these are super good quality and they go through our dishwasher. They don't fade, you know. So for that reason, I was quite happy to plug in the same the same uh, merchandise um, manufacturer that we that I used before for, for a previous company. And I know it really works. So I said, right, I know the quality is good. And the good thing is, of course, if anybody orders a T-shirt or a beanie or anything like that, it's only when the order is processed that we find the it goes then to to be to be manufactured to be to the embroidery is done and then it's released. So there's no sort of excess stock or anything lying around. Yeah. So it's a really 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 good you know environmentally friendly it's a way smart, to, to do a yeah. shop. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, the other thing I think that's so there's a couple of things. Number one, what I was really pleased with because I I am a Squarespace Circle designer, so. Jumping into Squarespace and building a website in order to host the, web, the, the podcast and put the show notes together, but I have to say I was very impressed with some changes. And I don't know if you've seen the team page. Have you seen the team page? Yes, the yeah. team page is great. Yeah. So if anybody is listening, go and check out the team page just to see. I thought it looked wicked. So I was really, really chuffed with that. And uh, and obviously then the next thing was I had to plug in all of the where do we put our podcast? You know, where it's obviously hosted on Squarespace. But now, as a result of uh, some some diligent stick with it, follow the steps, we've now got it literally in everything: Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify. You know, it's it's right across the board, as well as Apple Podcasts. So I'm really really chuffed with that. You know, so anybody can pick up the show wherever they want. Um, so the next thing I was going to talk about was um, Formula One Drive to Survive. And oh, yes. I thought it was really, really interesting because last week uh, you mentioned that you were looking forward to the show. How was the show? How no, was Drive to Survive? <laughs> no, it's great. I still haven't finished it because I'm still, uh, at a go- if I'm going according to plan, I have three episodes left and I'll be tomorrow, day after, That's and right. then on Sunday. Right. So, yeah, but that's just my, I don't know, quirks. If it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I like watching it that way. But no, it's it's incredible. No, it's amazing. It's a great show. It's uh, I'm really enjoying it. You you get to see the driver. You get to see the sport from the driver's perspective, like a personality perspective, rather than it being a sport. But um, especially with the crowds, I always hang around with. It, we, we go quite technical. And it's always a technical sort of like, oh, what is happening with this vehicle? And what's why is this why is the why is the Red Bull more superior? Why how is Ferrari gonna catch up? Yeah, or what yeah. are they gonna think about strategy? That's the usual conversations. But in Drive to Survive, it's always a very it's a unique take on Formula One where you're you're focusing on the individuals, you're focusing on 
like the personalities within F1 and they're right. incredible. Some of them are absolutely amazing. Like I'll, my favorite is watching Gunther Steiner. Okay. Drive to Survive. He is the team principal for Haas Formula One. Yeah. And he just says, uh, he's a person who, if he thinks something, it's out of the mouth. Right. And right, he right, says right, the right. most hilarious things. Absolutely hilarious. <laughs> and you, you just get, you just, you just start laughing so hard because it, like, He's amazing. Yeah. There's no filter and it's amazing to see. That's really good. That's really good. So what we might do then, Andy, I'm going to challenge you to go on YouTube, find me a little clip and we can put it into the show notes so people can see. And I I, I haven't watched it. I haven't tuned in. And part of the reason was because I kind of made a decision a couple of years ago that I was going to cut the cord. The problem with Formula One is you've got to buy the full Sky package, etc. And, and, and I just kind of lost the polish it lost the polish for me when i was trying to watch formula one on catch up you know you're watching channel four highlights after yeah. the event and you kind of know the results and all things so i couldn't buy into it but what i thought was interesting was you mentioned drive to survive last week and then there is um you know another uh, analyst that i follow and he happened to just get into formula one like you you know like you've mentioned and drive to survive and he just happened to feature it this morning. I was making my omelet and listening to a podcast, and he highlighted a couple of articles that, that uh, of the effect that Drive to Survive has had on Formula One, and maybe how the NBA can use strategies like that to try and you know drive yeah. fan engagement with the NBA. But one of the interesting things was um, there was an article in the Atlantic, and again we put the link in the show notes. But what they said was. That you know, series season five of Drive to Survive has to come out. Uh, it says here, I'm just quoting the Netflix docuseries series premieres Friday, that was last Friday. At its heart remains the formula that not only made the show a global success but helped remake F1 in and for the United States by opening the high speed drama, personalities, and politics to everyone with a Netflix account. The approach broke F1 away from its traditional older male audience. Last year, and this is the key point, a global survey by Motorsport Network found the average age of F1 fans, and that's not just Drive to Survive viewers, had fallen from 36 to 32 since 2017, and female participation had doubled. And, and, and then there's a quote there from uh, Ian Holmes that says, this has resonated with a different demographic, a younger demographic, a female demographic. So I think, and then, and then going on from that, Again, what was highlighted in, um, is it, uh, I'm just looking for Planet F1, was there's another uh, article, I can put the link in the show notes, to say that they're changing the rules within the FIA where there's now uh, teams need to put forward a third principle uh, for fan engagement before and after the race and also um, more drivers. So the drivers have to give... More drivers and more more FaceTime with fans before and after the race as a result of, you know, so it's it's all very well attracting fans in, but now you've got to give something back in order to keep them engaged. Um, and I think it's proving to be a winner because that has grown. Because under Bernie Eccleston, I think it was fair to say they kind of all settled into their routines. They were all happy with the money coming in. But this, the new guys on the block came in and said we're going to shake things up and they have really 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 brought the fans in what, what are your thoughts on that Abby? 
Uh, no, yeah, it's uh, no, it's incredible to see what Drive to Survive has done for this sport. Um, yes, I think under Bernie, it was it was a sm- it, I wouldn't say a smooth sailing ship. It was a, Formula One was always struggling, and yeah. it knew it was having a aging uh, viewer population. The number of viewers were dropping constantly year by year, uh, especially uh, at, like from 2014 onwards when it was it was a Merck's, it was Mercedes domination. Yeah. And people are like, oh, this is, we're not seeing racing. We're not really, there's nothing exciting. There's nothing getting us excited about this. Yeah. So uh, it started to see a lot of people drop out and stop following. But I think, yeah, Drive to Survive is really, it's, it's completely resurrected. The yeah. Viewership. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, and yeah, it's it's true. It's got a lot of younger people involved in it. And I think that's, it, they've done it really well because they played it to, as the, as I mentioned before, they played it to the personalities. You know, you, you're getting invested in the people. Yeah. Of you're not invest. It, it, your investment starts where you follow the person. Now you that person is likable. This driver is likable. So now uh, I kind of want to watch him win, and I want to see him to, on track. Do well. so. That that's really interesting. That's and really that's a great key in because now you're yeah you've got you, there's in, you've invested in it. Now you're you 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 really want to see what's the outcome. And uh, I think that's also helped keep engagement. And if you've noticed, a lot of F1 teams were horrible with social media yeah. until the new ownership. They were, there was absolutely nothing they would post online. But now they're on every single platform. Yeah, they yeah. are making the latest trends on TikTok or Instagram reels. You will see Formula One teams attack it. And it's always on their content. And yeah. they and they know how now they're learning how to play the audience, but they're keeping them engaged mid season as well because you know you can't expect one show that comes up every at the start of every season to be the only you gotta keep fans engaged and they've learned that okay if we keep uh, keep this engagement high, we get keep people invested for longer yeah. we're gonna get a ex- lot of viewership and it is working yeah and it's incredible like so many people are watching it that. I remember when I used to watch it before, I in India especially, uh, in my school, I would have only two or three other people who knew what Formula One was and would That's talk right. about it with me. And so it always felt like, oh, if you like Formula One, we were, a, we were our own club and our own special group. And now li- everybody's talking about it. Everyone yeah. online, That's everybody right. you meet, you can hear it in random conversations as you're passing by the street that is so invested in it. Random people in racing shirts out and about now. We see it a lot more. So much more. It's incredible. I think you've nailed it with like, I didn't put two and two together and realize that I am seeing it a lot more on TikTok and Instagram and stuff. So they are, you know, they have figured out how to reach out to a bigger audience. And yeah, you're definitely right there. I never thought of it like that. Well, the other other thing I'm just thinking about as well, as you were saying it was, Towards the end of, of Bernie Eccleston's reign and around the time of, you know, I'm going back maybe, so if I think back five years, five, six years ago, they tried to manufacture uh, controversy. You know, Christian Horner said this and he said that and they tried to manufacture. And my, I saw elements of um, when it was branded as WWE, you know, that wrestling, the whole wrestling thing of, you know, the bad guy and the good guy and you know and the yeah. bad guy wins and the good guy wins and all that and, and I, we all know the whole thing is a play act in the yeah. actual ring but what's happening is of course then they're selling the t-shirts they 
thousands of people in the stadium all buying the hot dogs and they're all chanting, you know, and The Rock had his look and whatever. I don't know enough about it to be able to reference all the points. But what I'm saying is that it was the idea that they generated this kind of whole storytelling narrative that was the, almost the, the fighting within the ring. And I'm saying fighting as a you know, the play acting yep. within the ring was incidental to the entertainment. The entertainment was the actual yep. kind of like he said, she said, whatever. And I think they tried to bring elements of that in, but Drive to Survive, from what I'm hearing, from what you're saying is, yeah, but you know what? You just put the cameras behind the scenes and watch what's going on. The drama behind the scenes is actually almost as electric, if not sometimes more electric than the drama on. Because out on the, even if, even if um, a driver, uh, Charles and Kirk, any of them are doing 200 runs an hour through it, you know, and back in the day, the commentator would be screaming into the microphone, da, 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 da. But actually, you know what? He just does that all day long. That's that's you know he's just that's just what he does. But in the back, they haven't got the tires ready. They don't know what the the rain is. You know, the drama around what tires to put on yeah. could actually be more and is in its own way more exciting as an emotion than putting a camera in the car and saying, "Right, look, this is two hundred and twenty miles yeah. an hour." But guess what? That's what that guy's paid to do all day long. That's what he does. So yes, it's exciting only because it's fast, but it's not exciting from the point of now. If you put a mechanic in there and said, "I want you to drive this round at two hundred miles an hour," then you'd have that same sense of, "Oh my god, I wonder what would happen if," because he's a mechanic driving the car, not a highly seasoned driver. And equally, if you took that driver, Charles Leclerc, and said, "Right, Charles, we don't want you in the car today. We want you as one of the mechanics changing the tires." Can you imagine how invested you'd be in in how would he get on with trying to change a tire, you know, as one of the guys? So I'm just saying it's it's interesting to me that the excitement factor isn't necessarily where you think it is. The, the excitement factor can be in another place if you look for it. And Drive to Survive, I think, was one of the first times that they kind of said, actually, do you know what? This is the this is the story worth telling. Yeah. Sure enough. Because you're describing a character just now. I've never heard of that character. I've never met that character. But I'm, I'm already dying to understand and see a clip of this person. In oh, yeah. And then I can just imagine that I would say, okay, I've got to watch that show. Just because. So I think, yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, you're right. So there's there's a lot of F1 that is inherent drama. It's a very cutthroat sport. So yeah. there's, there's always the principles of making hard decisions. You're, it is, it's very... It is very do or die, and you see that through. And Netflix have found that perfect niche of like, you know what? We 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 know there is drama, and if you follow F one through the season, like and you're an avid fan, you see it. You see the drama, and you're enjoying it at the moment. Yeah. And then what Drive to Survive does is it encapsulates it into ten beautiful edited, well, supremely edited episodes where you pick up on that drama pieces again. Wow. And it just reminds you and you're like, oh my God, yes, this happened. Like, oh my, yeah, there was so much controversy here. And that's like, that's the best, like they know, they've, they've found, they've, they've, they've nailed it on the head. They right. perfectly, they know exactly this. They picked up on the, oh yeah, there's drama here, here, here. And we know what we have to do. And they, 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 they get it out of people. And it's incredible. Like you can, yes, there's a lot of, uh, you can hear a lot of talk. I mean, because through the interviews, you can see a lot of these drivers and a lot of these principals, all the personalities in Drive to Survive, they can be, they're very frank to the camera as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's a, 
to be a, a very good F1 driver, and I've always believed this, you've got to be a little arrogant. Yeah, like you, no, no. you have to. I totally agree with you. <laughs> like you, you have to be if you want to be up front. There's a little bit of arrogance that has to be there. Like you, you, and super competitive. These they are extremely competitive people. Yeah. So when it comes, they can be supreme. They're insanely frank on camera, and they will tell people like, "Oh yeah, I'm. He's not good. I'm better." And and yeah. and all of that just adds up to great drama on on Netflix and on screen. Yeah. So I think that's that's what pe- keeps people supremely engaged. Okay, I I have to say I'm gonna watch it. I have to watch it now. I'm just, I'm really I really I can't believe you have. No, no, no. Honestly, I'm never, shocked that you haven't. No, but, but partly because how? Why would I watch it when I'm not gonna watch the races? That was my point. You know, unless I'm invested in right, I'm gonna sign up to Sky, get the Thing in da, 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 and because I wasn't going to do that, I said, "You know what? I'm not going to engage." So I didn't. But I th- that's that's what Drive to Survive does really well. It's built for people who don't watch the races. Yeah, and it gets you engaged into them. Right, 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 right. Okay, all right. So I'm going to watch. Start. Oh, by the way, question then: Should I start right from the beginning, like go back? Because we're into series five. I know I'd be watching old races, but I suppose it's still still the drama. So that then, so that then, by the time you get to season five, you're kind of like, you know, you're invested in all the various characters. I think would that be fair? Or should I watch season it. five and then go back? What's your thoughts? I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, think that it's just so juicy throughout because, like Addy said, like it's not so much about the racing where the attention's at. Right. It's more about oh my god, this driver said that, but that's. So wherever you pick up from, really, whichever season, it's right. going to be drama. <laughs> and it's That's crazy because you don't see it like that. Okay. Oh, yeah. okay. I would say you go from season one to season five. Right. Because right, right. uh, one thing is then you're, if you if you then start getting attached to a person like a single driver, you see their progression through, which then gives go. it's just more exciting for you yeah. as a viewer. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, it's true. Every season has drama. Every like, and and Netflix are really good at this as well. Like they they know how to they create that drama when there isn't as well. Yeah. So like, there were a few episodes like a few seasons back about like the McLaren drivers not liking each other, and there was a whole episode on like, oh these oh they they, <laughs> yeah. they don't like each other. They're not gonna help each other. They're saying bad stuff about each other. But they're actually they were really good people. They're really good yeah. to each other. Off. Try. Yeah, like, know, they're, they're good friends. And, Norris, yeah, uh, exactly. Whole... Ricardo and Lando Norris, and uh, there was a whole episode like, "Oh, is this tension going to ruin this team? Oh, and then they're not going to perform." And, and then it culminates in them finishing one-two in a yeah. in a race yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. Monza in Italy, and it was like, "Oh, jubilation from from tension to winning." And, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's a big Hollywood finish. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and that yeah. It, like it is over manufactured, but you yeah. know what? It just—it's all fun. It's uh, you yeah, just yeah, enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, like yeah, you, yeah. you just take it to heart. You're like, yeah, you know what? That was that was exciting. That was fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned Love Island. When I mentioned Love Island last week, by the way, when I got the crickets from you guys, I mean, I got absolutely blank stares. And then afterwards, when we signed off, we said, "Do you have you never watched?" No, I've never watched Love Island. You know. I was just saying it never struck, it never occurred to me that you wouldn't watch it. I haven't watched it either. So I was referencing something I haven't watched and referencing it to two people who haven't watched it either. So I was like, right, let's uh, move off the subject real quick. But whether it's Love Island or any of those shows, 
or X Factor or any, you know that pause where they say, and the person leaving the show is, <laughs> and then they do the, the music, and then they cut yeah. to one, and then they cut to another, and then they cut to another, you know, and then they might say, let's go to a break, or they might say, and they, uh, it's it's that's that whole you know probably in the studio, and the person leaving the show is so and so, but. <laughs> While they were waiting to get the cameras set up, they filmed everyone standing there waiting, looking pensive. And then in the edit, you take all the pensive looks <laughs> and you say, and the person leaving the show is music. And then you edit all the pensive looks <laughs> and you draw out this big moment that probably didn't actually in real time exist yeah. because you, you've just manufactured the drama, you know? So yeah, it's, it's, it's funny how, um, Directors and editors, they really can play with your emotions when they when they choose to and yeah, and it, put put drama absolutely. in places. Which is why I feel that Formula One did take a huge risk in showing behind the curtain because of what you just said. You know, bringing the cameras in and allowing creatives in and and meeting and seeing and and revealing the real personalities, or at least what we think believe to be the real personalities of these these. Uh, whether it's the drivers or the mechanics or whoever, but we lost someone again. And uh, (laughs) so I just feel that it's like that was a big risk, but it looks like it's paid off. So, yeah. Oh, completely. I think, yeah, you're right. At the start, everyone was skeptical. I think there were only three teams. The first season of, uh, it was, I think the top three teams did not accept Netflix. They said, we don't want to shoot with Netflix. So Ferrari, Red Bull and Mercedes... That's right. All had rejected red Netflix cameras because they thought, oh no, they're going to come and shoot confidential stuff. They're going to see us f- fidgeting around with the car. We don't want other people to get any ideas of what we're doing, you know. And they just didn't want people to see the do- in door to door because, that, like, it was always Formula One is built on it, it. It thrives on that secrecy as well. Like, we, you don't want your competitors to know what you're yeah. up to. Of course. And uh, but then. I think they really saw what it was doing for the sport after that first season. Because I think everyone initially were kind of skeptical. Like, oh, yeah. Do you think this is going to do what it does? And it, it went beyond and above what everyone thought it would do for yeah. the sport. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't think anybody would have predicted this is the impact it would have. That now we've suddenly got uh, maybe it's almost three extra races in the in the calendar this year from when it was when it used to be like what in 2017 2018 we used to have 20 races now they're 23 um it's it did so many especially in the american market it's really propped up now we have um two three races in in america early it used to be just one and formula one is not the big sport there but now it's yeah. it's gained so much following yeah, yeah. in america itself that they've they've really invested in getting American backed uh, just American races to get more viewers in. And you can see a lot of investment into the sport now as compared to earlier. Earlier people would not, would not want to touch Formula One because everybody thought, oh, it's a dying sport. No, it's not really, do we really see a great, uh, do we see a point of going into Formula One where we're spending millions, it's like hundreds of millions in on your car on every season and then not seeing gains at the end of it. Uh, yes, it'll help. It Usually major automotive companies come into F1 
because they can learn the it's rapid prototype engineering it's rapid engineering where you now you're developing new parts new models of uh, like you know just you 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 it's rapid prototyping of engines body kits you under your understanding of vehicle engineering it gets so high so quickly and then that can trickle down slowly into your automotive field yeah. and then improve them and that's usually how it works now when i ask adi this question i'm also keen to get your perspective as well uh zara which is is it i know they use cutting edge technology in formula 1 does that technology really filter through and bubble and 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 trickle down into production of regular cars or or is that a misnomer that actually what they do in formula 1 is specific to formula 1 and anyway even if they never had formula 1 these other designs would happen like like my adaptive cruise control or whatever they would have happened anyway so what what what's your thoughts on that i think honestly i think that it was going to happen anyway i think that's something that as time went on then everything else developed with it i feel like formula 1 just helped in progress that even faster if that makes sense yeah and you know yeah that that's what i would say about it really but what would you think about it what would you say about that adi what's your thoughts yeah yeah no uh, i think formula 1 definitely accelerated how fast it came it comes into the automotive market it's just because formula 1's always trying to in the pursuit to be to edge another team out you're constantly reworking multiple aspects of your vehicle like and and it's not just this not just like the external shape of cars that has been that changed throughout the years to then reflect what the from the learnings that's always that would have happened but it would have happened much slower without formula 1 so yeah. uh like especially aerodynamic spoilers additions on the rear of cars to having wings on the rear of cars and everything like that that all started through what was learned within formula 1 or other team other companies like so i think the first spoiler first aerodynamic spoiler on a car was on a Porsche 911 i think this was in the 70s and they picked that up from their years in formula 1 and of course looking at formula 1 through the years and they like oh yeah there's wing developments what if we introduce that in our car so now suddenly we have more grip for available for our tires and then but as a concept like the strip stream the slip streaming or the streamlining of vehicles was always an idea even before formula 1 was a major sport because right. you because it's like oh, oh if i do because oh i see planes now that are that shaped more aerodynamically and now they're more efficient they can they can travel further and then that's always been there but then major developments like uh your suspend your modern suspension systems uh all come came through what what was happening in the formula 1 back uh, as early as the 70s so like your adaptive suspension your your da- your extreme damper base yeah so your adaptive suspension which would then change your ride height based on how you're traveling on the road and to make him it, it was always was developed in formula 1 and then subsequently they they kept changing the rules so that your team stayed pretty much on par with each other but that technology then was also seen as oh if we could what if we used it on our road cars that gives you a more comfortable ride 
Okay. While that was not the intention behind the design for Formula One, because Formula One, they don't care, like, oh, is the driver comfortable? It's about <laughs> how fast it can go in the corner. Yeah. And they an adaptive suspension would have definitely helps with that. But they said, oh, we can use the same technology, but with a different outcome of making rides more comfortable for people. And that could all be used in normal automotive. And the only main thing was in Formula One, they'll spend how much of a money they need to on developing a part and having it on the car because if it saves track time, yeah. if your lap time goes down, they will spend how much of a money they need to. And sometimes it's a ridiculous amount of money. But in, you can't do that in the automotive sector. So you then that's why it takes a few years because they take that technology and then they develop it through the years to say, oh, if this can be for mass manufacture. Like we want to introduce that technology, but then we have to make sure that we can, it's affordable, it can go into our cars and it's not changing the pricing of our cars too much because obviously you want to hit within a certain bracket in the yeah. market. And then, but it is going to give us an advantage over the other cars in the market and which is why we need to introduce it. So that's, I think Formula One always influenced modern vehicles. Right. It still does to a major extent. Yeah. Uh, it's just in, in things that we might not think as the most obvious one. It's not just on the external aerodynamics. It could be small minor parts within the vehicle. Even your engine development have, would have gone through multiple iterations. So like most Formula One cars can rev up to 15,000 RPM. And, but then be, because to achieve 15,000 RPM, they would have made certain modifications to how your engine works. Right. And like how your air is in, how your air intakes work, and how much air you're getting in, like how you're dispersing fuel within the cylinders to get your performance, and all of that technology could be then used, was then introduced into modern cars and road cars because it made it more efficient. Right, 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 right. Okay, so so they kind of, so they they did a proof of concept of the technology, they then hyper-develop it for a specific use, but in hyper-developing it, actually now you've tested all this, you've stress-tested it beyond. Yep. Now you can take a version of that. I suppose uh, I, I often think of it as as uh, what they call haute couture. You know, you, you get the Alexander McQueen designs or the those amazing designs during the London Fashion Week. You see these weird and wonderful things that nobody could ever wear. But... You then go into, I'm going to say Zara, because I like shopping in Zara, but you go into any high street store over the next six to nine months, and you'll see elements of those designs right across the floor, but in yeah. clothes that people would wear every day, you know, in, in regularly shaped clothes, yep. but with that look and feel that you might have seen on the catwalk that was just really out there. I kind of That's how I kind of see it, that... It informs it, but but what you're saying is, yeah, no, actually, it's it's not just informs it. It's without it, it's it's kind of like laying down the the foundations that that the technology kind of is is built on. It's like Absolutely. okay, now now we understand how this works. This Correct. is how we need to work in order for it to be uh, what's the word economically viable that we can roll yeah. this out across thousands of models and and, and put yep. it into production. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. 
But um, and then and then by the way, I do have. A, you just mentioned a funny thought there that they don't make the cars comfortable for Formula One drivers. And I was thinking that if you've ever driven an SLK like I have, a Mercedes Benz SLK, um, they they have the world's smallest cup holders that you've ever seen in your life, and they sit at the very top of the dashboard. So when you press the button, they literally the drawer pops out like a CD. Like those one of those old fashioned CD things, but it pops out and it almost hits the yeah. the, the, the rear view mirror. It's that high up, the dash is so <laughs> high up, and it pops out. And these two little little things spring up, and you can only get like a tiny little cup into it. And I'm sure that it would fit in a Formula One car. I think Max Verstappen at 200 miles an hour could have his little coffee in the side <laughs> while he's driving along. But he could use the cup holders from an SLK because they are that small, <laughs> and he could get them between his legs. <laughs> could you imagine I mean, going, yeah. going with a cup yeah. of espresso in his hand? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, people would have people would lose it. Suddenly he's overtaking yeah. someone in the photo in the still. It's just him. Yeah, yeah. Cup yeah. Cup. yeah. No, with, with it, no, it's a, an espresso with a demi tasse. Yeah. <laughs> Like this. <laughs> reminds me of a story about so i must tell this not now but another time ask me another time about a demitas and when i met you two and a funny story about about a, a demitas being drank by a rock star it's quite funny but that's another time i don't want to i don't want to go off peaks here so look what have we covered so far we have talked about drive to survive and how the storytelling and narrative drove the fan engagement, especially among female fans, with Formula One and has reignited Formula One as uh, on the world stage and is actually a blueprint now that's been followed in golf, in tennis, and I think a lot of other sports are looking at it as well. So that's really interesting. So just the idea of storytelling and narrative, forget about trickle-down technologies from Formula One. Now there's trickle-down storytelling and narrative strategies to, to try and drive uh, other sports. So I think that's interesting. And then the idea that um, we mentioned women drivers, are they, uh, you know, getting faster? Are younger people getting slower? Are pensioners getting faster? I don't know. I don't know. The jury's out. But it's an, it's an interesting idea. And I think I'm going to be looking into it to see is there any, any kind of, I don't want to say evidence, but surely it's, it must have been noticed by somebody. Is there a statistic out there that would? Yeah, there must be some statistics. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And and equally, then I was just thinking about the idea that um, you know we we are now two weeks in. How are we feeling about our new podcast? Just generally, are we okay? Are we are we feeling the love? Oh yeah. I feel like I need to definitely it's going to be trial and error I think for the first couple of episodes for me because obviously yeah. I'm getting used to the setup and stuff like I think what we've learned is that podcasting is not as straightforward as we thought it might be or at yeah, least not as straightforward as people think it is you know yeah. it's like it's not they just yeah. connect a headphone and a mic and three people to start talking and that's it there you go you have a podcast you know, yeah, yeah. No, yeah 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 I there's quite a bit into it way. yeah yeah, yeah. Absolutely. absolutely especially behind the scenes as well and what you've been doing Tom is with the website and linking all all these platforms in together there's so much sure that when you think yeah. about making a podcast never come comes across your mind well <laughs> to be fair I I felt that so let me start at the beginning I know that we could have just started with just record the thing you know we could have done it 
and, and of course, if I didn't have a cold this week, you know, we've done it all together in the kitchen downstairs or whatever. Um, but I just felt that I love the idea and I love the conversations that we're having. And I think we can grow this. Um, and, and we can. So we just wanted to get in the room, press record, find our feet, you know, just just yeah. kind of start to find a narrative and find uh, and understand how each other thinks. And then we can play along with it. But at the same time, I just felt that, well, look, if you're going to put the show out there, then why don't you make it available everywhere? Why don't you plug in all the bits where what, what you know, a little bit of a background about the team, maybe write a couple of stories on a journal, you know, so why not put all that stuff together? So yeah, I kind of threw myself into it, but another couple of weeks, it'll all be done. And then hopefully by then we'll be a little bit more, I want to say organized, polished, confident, you know, and then we're more aware of planning our shows and sort of, you know, working together on that. So yeah, I think I think we'll get there. But, but definitely, I would say if anybody has any thoughts, any feedback, any comments, any opinions, you know, do you do you agree with what uh, Zara said in her vicious generalization about women drivers? <laughs> I love yeah. how you're spinning it on like, oh no, no, Zara said all of it. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to manufacture some drama here. <laughs> I'm going to get so many letters in the mail now. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. But also, I mean, you know, I've been fascinated listening to Aditya uh, kind of explain some of those uh, concepts and, you know, that just, just I hadn't really thought about motorsport in that way. I, I just forgot about how detailed and technical it actually is. I, I, there's the irony. Look, we're talking about a podcast and how difficult it is. And when I think of motorsport, I think of literally, I only think of, the driver sitting in and doing this. And even just, even if I was to sit into one of those cars, I wouldn't even know how to start it. I mean, I wouldn't know what the combination is to get the thing actually going. It's that yeah. challenging. So, so it's, it's funny how we don't think these things, you know, how, how difficult they are. And yet there is just so much going on. And yet there's, um, that human story that people want to find out about how do people deal with that every day? I suppose it's a way of escaping from the world. So listen, let's leave it there. Uh, I've really enjoyed our conversation this evening. I know we've had some challenges. Don't worry. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll iron it out in the edit. <laughs> our, I don't know how long we've been recording, but we'll, we'll get 15 or 20 minutes out. No, no, I'm joking. We'll <laughs> We'd love to hear from you. So if you have any questions or want to share an opinion, you can reach us at www.drivetalking.show where you can also pick up the show notes for today's episode. And if you enjoyed this episode, why not subscribe to Drive Talking on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave us a review so that other people can find us as well.